Welcome back to the Hot Lava Podcast presented by the Union Tribune. I am Kevin A.C., Padres beat writer, sports editor Jay Posner. Uh, I'm at Petco Park. Jay, I can see you. I can see the San Diego Union Tribune building from my seat. That's that's great, Kevin. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I wrecked the podcast by being on vacation for a week. I can't believe well, you didn't do this without me. It's really. I wouldn't think it would be that difficult to replace me, even with just dead air. Impossible to replace you. Uh, and I just used a whole bunch of excuses that we we don't need to get into. But I think it is great to get back into it. Plus, it gives us more to to talk about. Uh, and, and honestly, I do think there's a lot to talk about with this team. It's just some of it seems repetitive, and and you know, it's not a winning team. Uh, they did beat the as we sit here and talk on Thursday before the four game uh, celebration of '98 homestand, Petco Park, uh, Padres hosting the Cardinals. Um, they did beat the Washington Nationals. Uh, last night didn't get a lot of runs but for a very rare occasion they found a way to actually score more than the other team no that was good to see especially (laughs) after a couple losses and they did win you know two games in mexico after that getting no hit on uh on friday night which i i was fortunate enough to be able to watch in in my hotel in sedona so you you gotta love technology Mm -hmm. where you can watch the games um, Jay, Jay, the, are, so. the Padres are uh, 14 and 24. That is the same record that they had last year. And I, I want to get your thoughts on this because, like, look, I'm not – this isn't what you shoot for, right? The, this is not what uh, fans should want or demand. But we've talked a heck of a lot on this uh, – a podcast about who the Padres are and what they're trying to do and that, you know, they're not going to be a whole lot of guys here now that are going to be here when they're good, if we believe they're going to be good. But anyway, here's my, my opening point here, 14 and 24. It's terrible. It's the, it's, but it's the same as last year when a lot of the feedback I get is fans think they've regressed. And I want to point this out. Here come the Cardinals, who I believe are six games over 500. The Padres' opponents are a combined 31 games over 500. They played six games against losing uh, an opponent with a losing record, and all those are against the Dodgers. No, Last right, year, right. that same record, the 10 games under at this point, 14 and 24 after 38 games, their opponents were a combined 11 games under 500. At some point, the Padres are going to start playing teams that are as bad as them and maybe win some more games. Well, I keep waiting to, to see a team <laughs> like that on the schedule. And I think um, your next trip, you go to Pittsburgh. Is that where you start? Yep. Surprise, uh, above 500. Right. And then Washington, which, of course, yep. is, is good. And the Dodgers, you wouldn't think they're going to be terrible forever. But then I know there's a homestand coming up against Miami yep. and Cincinnati. Uh, yeah! So, right. Uh, so we'll see. But I, I do think there's a, there's a real question here about what the Padres are, what they're trying to be. And I think a lot of fans are confused. There's, there's fans who have kind of embraced the process where you know this team's not going to be that good right now, and and okay, we accept that because we're looking uh, we're looking at at some of the young prospects, and we expect them here in a couple of years, and that's when they're going to be good. But at the same time, I think the team can't really jump into that, and and you know maybe it's because they refuse to lower ticket prices or concession prices. And so they feel like they're charging these, you know, major league prices and for, for concessions and tickets. And so they, they want to say that they have this major league product. And of course it's major league. I mean, I, I'm not implying that it's not, but 
you know, Ron Fowler talked before the season, I believe, about trying to be close to a 500 team. And and you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I, I believe no. they expected to see progress in terms of a win-loss record. Right. So that that would mean that they would be somewhere in the 73, 75, 77 win range. Mm-hmm. Maybe Some people, I think, even thought maybe they could be 500. I, I thought that was a pipe dream at the very beginning of the season <laughs> and, and certainly not changing my mind now. But I, I do think this team seems to have a – maybe has a little bit of a problem selling exactly what they are and I, I'm, I'm wondering what you you know you're around it yeah. more than I am but I I think f- there's some fans who just feel like boy we're we're supposed to be better now and if if they are better if we are better we're not seeing that and so okay are, are they are they better or are they making progress and if they're making progress do we measure it by the major league record because that's what most people look at or do we right. measure it by you know Adrian Morahone pitching a great game for like Elsinore last night a uh, combination of the two but are they better okay so same record uh there've been some really ugly games but if you go back they were getting beat by more last year again this isn't like ooh we're this you're supposed to be better than last year that's that doesn't get you any rings okay it doesn't even get you the replica ring that uh they handed out in Houston when I was there, uh, the replica World Series ring. It doesn't get you anything. But if we're talking about progress in virtually every offensive category, pitches per plate appearance, average, on-base percentage, everything except home runs and strikeouts. And wins. <laughs> um, they, and, no, but they're, they are you – know, and wins, right. right. They're markedly better than they were at this point last year. And again, you get to play all the crappy teams at some point, and they haven't played any of them yet. That's – that's not the goal, but if you're talking about measuring progress uh, and the process, it, they are. They are. How has Andy Green put it? He put it in a story that I did in San Francisco. Um, they're moving the needle on things that move the needle. Now, you might find that laughable that a major league manager has to say that, but he knows who he has. Look, there are people in the organization that think after Eric Hosmer and Will Myers, there are no guarantees that any of the current Padres will be Padres in 2021, okay? Uh, and 2020 and 21 increasingly is what's being thrown out as, hey, we could be hosting playoff games, World Series game here. So, Francie Cordero, that looks like the real thing based on based on the improvements he's made. Christian Villanueva, probably not, right, Jay? Probably not. Probably not, but I, I, I would say that's a little bit of an indictment because someone, you, you know, Someone like Manny Margot, between Margot and Cordero and Hunter Renfro and Austin Hedges, those are guys that were that were investments. So maybe not so much Cordero, but okay. I mean, Margot was a return from a yes. big trade. Aswahe was a return from a big trade. Hedges, they spent a lot of money on. Renfro was a first round pick. I'm, Without a I'm, doubt, I'm sure I'm forgetting. Uh, no, but Jay, like what I people. said is so guaranteed. Just, right. So guaranteed. I, I right. So I, I'm saying that that if that's the case, I. I think it's asking an awful lot. If you're not going to have a couple guys like that that are still around a couple years from now, that you're going to be able to plug all these holes that this team has right now with young guys and I guess, you know, maybe veterans uh, that you can try to yes. get as free agents. So, I, I mean, it's probably a bigger discussion that, than we have time for on a 15 or 20-minute podcast. But I, I do think it's curious that they can't really, you know, it's like, are they tanking? Are they not? I, I mean, I don't think they're tanking. I mean, obviously, Andy Green's not tanking and trying to lose games. And I don't think the organization is necessarily in that in that mode. But I think in the from a front office standpoint, I mean, 
how does AJ Preller look at this? I mean, he's and and is it a situation where he? How does he measure things? And I think the problem is they play a game almost every day, and <laughs> and that means people are looking at them almost every day. And that's where mm-hmm. I think they have this issue with. Well, you guys said you you were going to be better this year, and so far, you know, in terms of win loss, and we can we can make we can mm-hmm. talk about reasons why and to me they yeah. all make sense but i think from an outside standpoint Without it's easy to see why fans are frustrated by yes. this team right now because if you just look at it it's like well they're still crappy and they said they were going to be better <laughs> so why why should i have any hope and why should i still you know go out and spend money on this team and have to spend you know $5 on a bottle of water and $15 on a beer and 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 that sort of thing when you know, there doesn't seem to be any break from that, you know, from that standpoint. As a season ticket holder, my costs have stayed the same on the ticket prices for the last couple of years. But if you're going to have concessions at the ballpark, they keep going up, you know, by, I, I would say, probably a good 10% each year. Hmm. Uh, so where, and, and so I see why they have problems sometimes drawing fans for some of these games. And you can't measure completely on games that are played in May in the middle of the week. Um, but let's see what happens this weekend. I mean, the Cardinal fans have been, you know, uh, famous for coming out and taking over Petco. Padres scheduled, you know, big promotions for all four games this weekend. Bobbleheads of, of four stars from you know the 1998 team. Although to me it's hilarious, the guy who had the best season and was the most important part of that team that year was Kevin Brown. And there's no <laughs> bobblehead for Kevin Brown. Nor is uh, Kevin Brown coming. Right, and and maybe Which that's maybe anyone. that's why there's no bobblehead. Um, <laughs> but he is kind of the forgotten guy of that team. I mean, he he was so, really a, a a star that year, and especially in the playoffs. So Jay, first thing I I, I just want to clarify because your points were well taken. I want to build off of one of them in particular. But uh, in terms of guaranteed, look, they hope Manny Margot is here and they believe that he can be. Um, and there are others, but also Manny Margot. Yes, that's an in- if he doesn't work out, that's an indictment of A.J. Preller and company. Hunter Renfro and Austin Hedges predate him. And Correct. I have never heard anybody tell me from the time they arrived. They believe that Hunter Renfro is a championship uh, a starter on a championship team. I would now, agree. I would agree with that. I do think hedges. They, could, I do think hedges could be. Although obviously golly, we need to see be. the improvement yes, with his bat that we plate. keep talking about. But it it would yes. be nice to see him um, back. So know, I think playing. that we, as you said, we can't judge early May, be it crowds, be it uh, uh, you know win loss record. I do think that fans are speaking. Uh, with their wallets in that the Washington series, this was as dead as it's been for, for me since I've been on the beat and here every night. This was as dead. This was like the Minnesota Twins being here in, in June is, is what it was like. Or like um, the Rockies so, being here next week where I would expect Monday and Tuesday to be fairly similar. So it was, you know, hey, and that's that's fine. But in terms of understanding the process, I think there's an awful lot of evidence that – that the needle is moving in the right direction and look, that's all there is. So if you, you want to stay at home and watch them or, or just read about them in the union tribune uh, or union tribune.com, that's fine because yeah, uh, other than coming out to see Bryce Harper who didn't play last night. Um, and if you're really excited by Joey Lucchese, uh who pitched real well last night, um, then I can totally understand the, the, the frustration. Absolutely. But gosh, I really do think that there are signs like you said, uh, day to day, I'm planning right now to sit down when we're done here and, and write about all these signs, right? They could get no hit tonight again because a team that strikes out <laughs> 10 times a game is susceptible to the no hitter. Well, plus and then it looks like, 
Plus, they're facing a former Padre, so the likelihood of something <laughs> like that happening would be even bigger. Yes, I'm going to update my numbers on uh, on Adrian Gonzalez, uh, Nick Hundley, Matt Kemp, uh, Yasmani Grandal. Uh, I'm going to update my numbers uh, so we can find out what uh, Jed Jerko is going to do at the plate, too. Right. Well, two home. I'm, you know, I'm guessing. I'm guessing like a what a three homer weekend, maybe something. There's got to be an algorithm for that. A former Padre algorithm. Uh, all right, Padres, uh, Cardinals uh, for four, and uh, you know, okay. So what 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 success? Uh, they they split with the Cardinals. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, and and let's. I mean, look at what they have coming up. I mean, if you if if people are going to the ballpark. I mean, tonight was supposed to be, we can get into this a little bit now because it happened <laughs> while I was gone. You know, tonight was supposed to be Brian Mitchell on the mound and, if, and instead we're getting Jordan Lyles, correct? Mm-hmm. And we're then, getting Jordan Lyles for like three or four innings probably because um, his success in the bullpen was predicated on him just going out and attacking. Well, he's not stretched out enough to do that uh, for, for long. So we're going to see Jordan Lyles. And I think that's nice that the bullpen worked out for them uh, the last couple days that, uh, you know, Jordan Lyles is going to go like four, best case scenario, right? Right, and then Robbie, I would expect to see Robbie Irwin at some point uh, tonight. And then uh, tomorrow night, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing Eric Lauer. First home start. First Mm -hmm. home start, so that'll be be very interesting to watch. Saturday is another Tyson Ross um, performance. Mm-hmm. And I think those are always interesting. Awesome. And as as you wrote about showcase. the other day, show, they always <laughs> seem like showcase games now. And and mm-hmm. I, I I was a little surprised. Well, I'm never surprised, but I, I can't <laughs> imagine that anybody wouldn't be in favor of trying to trade Tyson Ross at some point this year. If you can get something, obviously the return is what matters. But if you can get something for Tyson Ross, you know Tyson Ross in two is probably not going to be here in a couple of years. So why would, why thing. wouldn't you try to get something? uh for him now at his age and with what he's what what he's been through you know who knows what his shelf life is uh at this point i mean i hope tyson ross has five more great years i mean i tyson ross seems like a great guy and he's a mm-hmm. guy that i think fans w- want to root for but uh if, if you know you're not going to get a sunday starters clayton richard that's a guy you're not going to is likely not going to have any trade value but tyson ross is a guy that you might be able to to get a player for and it's like this, that you, everything you said is true about him. It's not, it seems now that even if it makes all the sense in the world because of the past with the Padres, that every time they trade someone, they're once again trading Jake Peavy or Adrian Gonzalez. Right. And I think, again, that's, I, I guess a lot of that is very understandable for longtime Padre fans. Mm-hmm. No matter how many times, you know, no matter how many different ownership groups there have been or front offices and GMs there have been. The past is the past with this team, and the past is is almost always filled with disappointment and frustration, and the idea that you know, oh great, if we get a good player, we're just going to trade him away anyway. And now we don't know that's going to happen. Now, obviously, they're never going to be able to keep. I, I would be shocked if they could ever keep a guy like if they developed a Mike Trout. Like that's ever going to happen here. Um, but if they developed a Mike Trout. Um, after five or six years, would he ever be able to stay here, given the, the economics of baseball? I, I don't well, know. right now, even though the Angels can't afford it, um, Mike Trout's underpaid, or, or did he do a new one last year or something that got him close to it? But if you, yeah, it's always going to take absolute early, risky, 
player and team friendly contracts, you know, where the guy before he even reaches arbitration, you're giving him 180 million or something. Right. But sometimes Uh, trading, you know, sometimes uh, to get back to your point that I think you're trying to make, sometimes trading guys is the right move to make. Uh, in fact, and and I guess there are some people who are upset they didn't trade Brad Hand last year. Although obviously Brad Hand would seem to have trade value again, again this year, based on the fact he's re- he's had what two or three three bad outings, I think, um, in you know two months' time, so or a month and a half time. So he's, he's you know he looks great almost every time out, and every pitcher is not going to be great every time out. I mean Craig Kimbrel, Craig Kimbrel blew a save the other night so well it, and it he doesn't happens. have to be traded as a as a closer either the way bullpens are used oh, now course, i think course. it opens up the market for uh brad hand a, a contending team that that you know uses the whole six one 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 formula for, I mean, the, for dodgers, the dodgers couldn't use brad hand right now Ooh, baby so all you right know, teams like that so anyway that that was one thing um brian mitchell any future there or are we giving up on him <sighs> Well, Brian Mitchell sure is playing the part of a guy who's like, yeah, I I get it now, right? Whereas well, after his last two starts, he was defiant. He was somewhat in denial. He, he was uh, he ha- acted like he had no idea why anyone would question uh, why he would be in trouble. And hey, I mean, you know, maybe that's just Brian Mitchell's uh, personality. Uh, there is a concern that he doesn't have it. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't have. It. It's not wipeout stuff that very few people possess, and so you sort of have to have it. Uh, and and so, look, if he can go to the bullpen and start as the mop up guy, probably see him tonight, and then you know work his way back. I guess I don't know that there's a whole lot of optimism there. Let's uh, let's understand. I'll tread lightly here because I, I don't think they're afraid. They knew when they made this trade they might be throwing away money, but the fact that they paid thirteen million dollars for Brian Mitchell essentially with the tra- Chase Headley trade, right. um, he's going to get a chance uh, for for a while. Not but. To their credit, I think I'm not trying to make a huge deal out of it. I think it was pretty obvious, and it would have been, uh, you know, a sham to keep him in the rotation at this point. But to their credit, they pulled it pretty quick, quicker than they anticipated pulling the plug on the Brian Mitchell starting experience. Right. That's then, and I I will give them credit for that, and I I I'll give them credit for taking the risk on Brian sure. Mitchell. I mean, I think spending twelve or thirteen million dollars in this day and age for for a a guy that you think has has good upside is is a good move. Now if if it doesn't turn out, okay, it didn't turn out. Now, where the question is, where could that twelve million dollars have gone? Was it going to make the Padres a World Series team this year? Of course not. Uh, could it have gone to some other, you know, high risk upside kind of guy? Yeah, I, I guess it could have. So, but I, I, I think those are the kind of moves this team needs to make. Now, what they need more than anything is to hit on a couple of those moves, <laughs> and, and you know, maybe it. So, if it doesn't happen with Brian Mitchell, then you know they need to. to I, I wouldn't shy away from doing it in the future. I just think they need to, to. You know, it's obvious to say this, but they need to be better at the people they pick. Uh, so he, like um, Robbie Erlin would, would get a shot and maybe next year will still get a shot to be back in the rotation. Um, but coming off Tommy John, he might get a few more starts, but he's not going to be in the rotation this year. He, uh, Brian Mitchell, Jordan Lyles, they got to be lights out to be in the rotation. Why? Because it's time to find out for about some more guys. Uh, is Brett Kennedy going to be a middle of or back end of the rotation uh, starter like Eric Lauer, or Joey Lucchese? Is Walker Lockett? 
just can his stuff play up here? Maybe even Logan Allen and Cal Quantrill in Double A this year might be up in the majors uh, sometime in the summer. That's what this season's about. So uh, that's also playing against Brian Mitchell, who had his seven starts to show what he could right. do. And if that means, you know, and, and the other side of it is, if if pitching guys like Quantrill and Allen and Kennedy, if that leads to th- you know, losing a few more games. Those are the kind of, because those guys aren't quite ready yet, but it gives them seasoning. Those are the kind of things that I think, as you said, this season should be about, but I still, going back to the very beginning, wonder if everyone is is on board with that just because of sort of the mixed messaging sometimes that might come from the organization and, well, and absolutely. just to kind of combined go back with, and tie things up again with that. Combined with people being tired of, of the losing. Here's the last thing I'll say. If, these prospects, so, so far, Joey Lucchese, Eric Lauer, look like guys who could be your your four and five guys, right? And I'm not trying to limit their ceiling, but I also don't want to sell them too much, okay? No, I, yeah, they I mean, look Lucchese like major league a, starters. I, absolutely, and especially, I mean, we've seen more of Lucchese, but he, he seems like he could be, I, I would have said a three or a four. Uh, okay, good. At this so point. you've got a three or a four there. So I mentioned Walker Lockett, uh, Brett Kennedy, uh, Kyle Quantrill, Logan Allen, who are ahead of your Moray Hones and your Mackenzie Gores and your Michelle Baez, right? right so right. what if all of a sudden you have, out of the seven guys I've mentioned now, you have three back into the rotation guys. Um, and another one or two that maybe all of a sudden you have trade pieces to go out and get your veteran that when you think you're good, you now have a, a veteran uh, third baseman or something. Though I think Fernando Tatis is your third baseman in 2019 and 2020 because Freddie Gallup is going to be here, I think. But anyway, what I'm saying is, yes, eventually – you start using these these prospects as trade pieces, right? And then, of course, we'll hear about how well, yeah, you got a, these great prospects you all talked about for all these years, and then you traded them, and now they're going to go be great somewhere. I'm not else. talking about and you know cycle, I'm not. I, no, I'm just saying that the cycle the cycle will continue until or unless <laughs> I guess until or and, or if this team can get a winning team on the field, and you yeah, know, that's not obviously was never going to happen this year. The hope would be that it could happen next year, but that's a long way off. And we have many, I think we have next any year, more podcasts to discuss that between now and then. Before we wrap up this, this hot lava podcast, because I want to make this clear. I think next year is the year that we do. We do see the trade I'm talking about where you are packaging and I'm completely out of my uh, backside here, but, it, but I'm, but this is real. You package Hunter Renfro and uh, Brett Kennedy, and you are getting yourself a, uh, you know, uh, you're getting yourself uh, wherever you think you a uh, need is. Maybe it's catcher. Maybe it's a veteran catcher because uh, Austin Hedges can't hit. Uh, Maybe, although I'm not sure that. how much you're getting for Hunter Renfro and Brett Kennedy. But let's see what Brett Kennedy does. I mean, I, it'd be interesting to see him up here, let's say, the second mm-hmm. half of the season and, and see what they have with, yeah. with somebody like that. And let's see what happens when Renfro comes back but it, hey look i think that was a pretty good trade for out of my butt Jack. i really do <laughs> well um, i guess it depends on the veteran catcher you're getting before i well, before i give I you t- around, pat I'm you going, on the back too much well as i'm looking around i'm going i could have thrown at any position but i'm going wait a minute so i'm saying galvis at short tatis at third urias at second we know the first baseman is there yeah i got the outfield full now well wait a minute where do they actually need a veteran now they will because not all these guys are going to stay healthy or work out i mean so but uh I, if if it's if it if Lauer and Lucchese are a sign of how they might be sort of backloaded in the rotation, and of course some of these guys could become relievers too, but they're going to end up trading some of these prospects for actual veteran players at some point. 
That that is true, and I will guarantee at least one of those prospects that they trade ends up in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Good way to end. Hot Lava Podcast. That's Jay Posner and Kevin Acey. Um, we'll do this again. This is a four game series through Sunday, and then we'll do this again uh, for that two game series to end the nine game homestand. Thanks a lot, Jay. Sounds great, Kevin. Thank you. This has been a production of the UT Podcast Network. Keep on the lookout for new episodes of America's Finest Fantasy Football with the UT's resident draft expert, Eddie Brown, and producer, John Kelly. Season 2 starts when NFL fever hits. And for other great shows, make sure you check out the San Diego Union Tribune.com slash podcasts. I'm producer Lara Hockley. Thanks for listening.